0: Welcome back to Scriptures of Momentary. I'm your mom, Linda Wang. We are going to read Joshua chapter 5 and up to Joshua chapter 8, and then we'll see where we're at. Okay, so we're going to read the summary The inhabitants of Canaan fear Israel. The males of Israel are circumcised. Israel keeps the Passover, eats the fruit of the land, and manna ceases. The captain of the Lord's hosts appears to Joshua. All right, verse one. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them any more because of the children of Israel. So they were totally scared. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now, all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them, they had not circumcised. For the children, were, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. And unto whom the Lord swear that he would not shew them the land which the Lord sware unto their fathers, that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, then Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole and lord the lord said unto unto jacob i'm just kidding the lord said unto joshua this day have i rolled away the reproach of egypt from off of you wherefore the name of the place is palace is called gilgal unto this day and the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept, and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month or even in the plains of Jericho. Shh. And they did eat of the old corn and the, of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. Okay, some commentary. We're on verse 12 there. It says, After the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River, the news traveled to the kings within the land and heard of the miracle, and their hearts melted. (laughs) Rather than sending their armies out to push the Israelites out of the land, they were struck with fear. And so at that time, the Lord told Joshua to circumcise the Israelites, the Israelite men without armies coming at them. They were able to have them circumcised. For an unknown reason, this practice seems to have stopped between Egypt and the promised land, so their fathers had been circumcised, but it appears that the Israelites who were born in the wilderness were not, and now this practice was to begin again. Circumcision was an outward sign of those who were part of the Abrahamic covenant during the Old Testament times, and all of the males in the Israelite nation were dedicating themselves at the same time This would have been ta- this would have taken a lot of faith because they would have been immobilized for a period of time as they healed now in enemy t- now in enemy territory they would be placing their faith in Joshua and in the Lord This is what the Bible dictionary teaches about circumcision the token of the Abrahamic covenant during the Old Testament dispensations those who received it henceforth Thenceforth, enjoyed the privileges of and undertook the responsibilities of the covenant. It symbolizes some aspects of separation or dedication. One, to God, to whom Israel belonged. Two, from the world and the un- uncircumcised, and with whom Israel might not mix. And three, from sin. With circumcision was connected the giving of a name. But there is no express mention of this custom until New Testament times, Luke one fifty nine. It would follow naturally from the fact that Abraham's Abraham's name was changed at the institution of the ordinance. And that's found in Bible dictionary, circumcision. Why did they not circumcise while in the wilderness? Our scholarly BYU article explains commentators have suggested various reasons why Israel did not circumcise while wandering in the wilderness. There seems to be some consensus around the explanation that circumcision was temporarily discontinued as a mark of divine disfavor Precipitated by their disbelief in God's promise that they could oust the inhabitants of the promised land. Other explanations for not circumcising while wandering include non-necessity. There was no need to distinguish between Israel and other nations. And divine favor, circumcision would have been difficult while traveling. Ultimately, the scriptures do not state directly why the practice was discontinued. Ryan J. Wessels circumcision in the old testament volume 20 number 3 2019 also like nowadays circumcision is a used as a uh cleanse like like trying to stay clean uh because you can get an infection and so if you were more prone to infections then doing those things in the wilderness probably not going to be safe performing any kind of surgery in the wilderness um. Imagine all the dust and stuff. Yeah, gross. Okay, Um. once they entered into the promised land, were circumcised and held the Passover, the manna ceased. Imagine, oh, hold on, I didn't read that part yet. Okay, verse 12. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua... Was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as a captain of the hosts of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the twelve, or fell on his face to earth to the earth, and did worship, and said unto him, what sayest thou, my Lord, unto his servant, and his, the captain of the Lord of hosts, said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Okay, I just want you to know also that I'm falling asleep, and I'm trying so hard to stay awake. Okay, um, here we go. Once they entered into the promised land, were circumcised and held Passover, the manna ceased, Imagine what a change this would have been for them. They were now no longer in the wilderness, but were in a fruitful land. Therefore, they no longer needed the manna. They could now provide for themselves by the normal means. Then Joshua, now ready to go conquer Jericho, lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there stood a man over against him. With his sword drawn in his hand, Joshua, not knowing who the man was, went over to him and asked, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? The man answered, Nay, but as a captain of the hosts of the Lord, am I now come? And then Joshua worshipped the messenger and was then told to remove his shoes. So Elder Bruce R. Marconke explained that, that this man holding the sword was Christ. That's cool. Christ himself, here's uh, the quote, Christ. Quote Christ himself is the chief soldier in his own army. As commander he carries the title Captain of the Lord's host. By this name he appeared to Joshua, who seeing him with his sword drawn in his hand and hearing him say, As captain of the hosts of the As Captain of the Host of the Lord am I now come, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place where thou now standest is holy. What further direction was then given has not been preserved for us. It is profitable... To compare this appearance of our Lord to Joshua with his appearance to Moses in the burning bush, at which time the ground also was hallowed by the personal presence of deity, and also to compare it with the ministry of the angel whom John attempted to worship but was restrained with the command, See thou, do it not, worship God among righteousness or among righteous messengers from the spirit realms. None but deity will accept worship from mortals, and none but the Lord himself hallows a spot so that mortals are commanded to remove their shoes. Oh, I love that. That's Elder Bruce Armikonky, Mormon Doctrine, page 112. I didn't even know. Didn't even know. Okay, so now we're on chapter 6 of Joshua Jericho is taken and destroyed. Only Rahab and her household are saved. Okay, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Hold on. Verse 2. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor, and ye, and ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And on the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the, with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, And when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said unto them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, pass on and compass city and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the lord and it came to pass when joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of rams horns passed on before the lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the lord followed them and the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets and the reward rearward came after the ark and the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets and joshua had commanded this the people saying ye shall not shut out nor make any noise with your voice neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day i bid you shout then shall ye shout so the ark of the lord compassed the city going about it once and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp okay it says oh just kidding We're still going to read. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord and seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets and armed men went before them. But the reward rearward rearward came after the ark of the Lord and the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day, they compassed the city once and returned it into the camp. So they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day, they compassed the city seven times. Okay, so this was, we're reading day one and then now we're on day seven, Okay. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew the, with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. And we're going to read a commentary right there. Verse, we're leaving off on verse 16. It says, It was now time for the Israelites to go take the city of Jericho. Typically, t- the taking of a city would be a long and l- lengthy ordeal, especially a city with walls like Jericho. How would they take such a city? Do they get the army to come out? Do they break down the walls? What is the plan? the weapons do they what weapons do they need? The Lord's answer was most usual, most unusual, and demonstrated that through him they could truly conquer the promised land uh, for their everlasting inheritance. Their weapons were to be the priests, the ark of the covenant, the ram's horns, and their faith and obedience. The battle plan was for seven priests to carry the ark along with seven trumpets of ram's horns. For six days, the priests would take the ark and go round about the city once along with the men of war and the men would not make a noise with their voice. Then on the seventh day, they would go around the city seven times and then the priests would make a long blast with the ram's horns and the people would shout with great shout. And this is what they did. Consider the amount of faith this must have taken of those israelite men trusting in this very strange battle plan and learning that the lord indeed had power to deliver in ways beyond our natural way of thinking and not just one time but seven times maybe it would be easy to do to do it if the first day but then the second then the third then the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and then the seventh then on the seventh day they would walk around the city seven whole times This would have been a lot of walking. Maybe they could have complained, but it was too much or thought that they would become too tired for for a possible ambush. But this generation does not seem to murmur like the previous one, and so they obeyed with exactness. President Howard W. Hunter used this story to teach this lesson. Speaking of Jericho's walls, he said, I have stood on the ruins of that ancient wall and pondered its meaning. This appearance has caused me to wonder if perhaps there is a type and a shadow in what happened in ancient Jericho and what is happening in the world around us. When Joshua led the children of Israel over the Jordan River, the first city they confronted was Jericho. Spies were sent out and a council of war was held. Joshua's generals undoubtedly set forth arguments as to the kind of weapons, armaments, and tactics that would be needed if they were to be to breach the wall. Successfully and destroy the city. Traditionally, it would have meant a lengthy siege. In the meantime, the reputation of the Israelites had preceded them, for the gates of walled Jericho were already closed. The biblical account reads, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. In fact, the military planning was so far advanced that according to Joshua, about 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. But the Lord had a better way, and the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Yes, Jehovah has a better plan. Jericho would fall, but in the Lord's way, instead of being armed with swords and spears, they were armed with ram's horns. Instead of taking a battering ram, they were to take a sacred ark. They were led not by generals, but by priests, and they wore not armor, but priestly garments. And in place of a battle cry, there was perhaps a hosanna shout. Instead of setting them on to a long, devastating military siege, the Lord promised that after only seven days, the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall ascend up, every man straight before him. The apostle Paul commended, commenting on this rather unusual procedure explains it all in one simple sentence by faith the walls of jericho fell down elder james e talmage con- concurred when he wrote with full confidence in the instructions and promises of god joshua and his intrepid follow- followers laid spiritual siege to jericho and the walls of that city of sin fell before the faith of the besiegers Without the use of battering rams or other engines of war, President Kimball is in addressing the issue of walls asked, why must men rely on physical fortification and armaments when the God of Heaven yearns to bless them? One stroke of His omnip- omnipotent hand could make powerless all nations who oppose and save a world even when it is, even when in its death, even when in it when. In its death throes, yet men shun God and put their trust in weapons of war or in the arm of flesh, end quote. The Miracle of Forgiveness, Salt Lake City, book, 1969. Uh, And it's the Walls of the Mind, September 1990, sign. Ooh, I need to read that one. Okay, so we're reading now in Joshua chapter 6, verse 19. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go in go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as we as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had, and they brought out of out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire, and all that was therein. Only the silver and gold, and the vessels of brass and of iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive, and her father's household, and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Jericho sent to spy out, which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua adjourned them at the at that time saying cursed be the man before the lord that raiseth up that riseth up and buildeth this city jericho he shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn and in his youngest shall ye set up the gates of it so the lord was with joshua and his fame was noised throughout all the country okay so often soldiers receive rewards for fighting through taking spoils from the city but joshua told them that they were not to take any and that they were going to be cursed if they did so the old seminary teacher's manual explains the word accursed in these verses refers to all things associated with wickedness and disobedience all the people except for rahab and her kindred and all the objects in jericho were considered a curse so the instruction is to leave the wicked things and to take any silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron and give them to the treasury. This will be a test of each soldier's faith, obedience, and greed. For if they come across treasures that no other may see, they could easily hide them away. Oh, that would be so hard, you know, because you're tempted. Also, remember when I was talking about war. Something else that was mentioned was um, because in these scriptures the people were listening and were hearing and were like they had rumors and stories and songs um that people were playing or were singing and would um from like i guess they were saying that that they that stories could be handed down through song and so as the stories were handed down and as the Israelites were coming into their city that a lot of people just, you know, would probably get up and move. Like, that's what you would do if you heard that there was a big army coming to your city, right? Like, like would you stay there? No, you would not stay there. You would move. And so when it talks about, like, the destruction and stuff, um, they're also talking about possibly the fact that a lot of people probably just moved, you know? And so it wasn't like as bad of a destruction as we might originally think it could be. And of course, um, we remember we need to take into consideration that we, we are thinking in terms of our experience and how things might be, but we don't know how the writer wrote it and we don't know exactly how it was, like what actually happened. So just keep that in mind. It wasn't like this bloody massacre that happened um, and that the Lord was, you know, totally pleased. But at the same time, it, you know, wasn't like everybody moved out either. So, you know, there's just just try and try and realize that not all things are gonna be answered right now. And that it's okay that there's some things that you just don't know. And have faith that in the end, the Lord will help us figure things out. Um, And and I'm okay with that. So, let's see, more commentary. The soldiers did just as the Lord directed through his prophet Joshua. And so the wall fell down. And the promise to Rahab was honored and saved. And all that was in her house. The Israelites, Then went in and destroyed all that was in Jericho and burnt the city with the fire. This seems to so severe, especially for the Lord's people who are meant to be peaceful. But remember, the Canaanites were a very wicked people and had filled that consecrated land with great wickedness. If Satan had an understanding of the purpose of that land, he certainly would have put forth much effort to corrupt it and fill it with all manner of evil. So the Israelites were to go in and destroy everything in that land. Even the animals must be destroyed. The Israel might not seem to be s- slaughtering the Canaanites for the sake of plunder. Everything was ordered in such a way as to mark the vengeance of God. And that's from a commentary from Eliot's commentary. Okay, so now we're on Joshua chapter 7. It says, Israel is defeated by the people of Ai, or Ai. Oh, yeah. Israel is defeated by the people of Ai. Joshua complains to the Lord, Achan or Achan and his household are destroyed because he disobeyed the Lord by taking the spoils of Jericho. Okay, verse one. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel and Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai which is beside beth avon and on the east side of Bethel and spake unto them saying go up and view the country and the men went up and viewed Ai and they returned to Joshua and said unto them said unto him let not all the people go up but let about 3 2 or 3000 men go up and smite Ai and Make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them before the gate, even unto Shebarim. And smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God, we had been content and dwelt on the other side, Jordan. Oh, man, I love when people are like, we should have just dwelt in the wilderness. <laughs> o Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. What wilt thou do unto thy great name? saw so some commentary but there was one soldier Akan Aken was his name, whose greed got the better of him. And he took the accursed thing with no man knowing, but Achan himself, the Israelites went forth to the next battle against the city of Ai. But Ai came out and killed 36 Israelites and they chased off the rest of the Israelites. Joshua then rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord. He did not understand why they would not be successful. And he was worried that their loss would embolden the rest of the Canaanite nations. He did not yet know what the real problem was. He did not know that Israel was not sanctified as they should be. Elder Orson Pratt explained, "In ancient days, the righteous had to suffer with the wicked, for we learned that Achan, A- Achan took the wedge of, the, of gold and hid it in the earth, contrary to the instruction given by the Lord." And in a day or two the israelites were smitten and driven before their enemies and no doubt many of those who perished were good men or some pratt journal discourses all because of one peep you know that's the whole rule right there it can go down because of one person okay verse 10 and the lord said unto joshua get thee up wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face israel hath sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except ye destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves against to against against tomorrow for thus saith the Lord God of Israel there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee O Israel thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you 14 in the morning therefore ye shall be brought according to your tribes and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households And the household which the Lord had taken, which the Lord shall take, shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire. He and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. Ooh, that's intense. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah. And he took the family of the Z- Zerahites, Zerites, and he brought the family of Zerites, the Zerahites man by man. And Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household many man by man. And Achan, the son of Camri, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, was taken. And, all, and Joshua said unto Achan, my son, give I pray thee glory to the God, to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered, and Achan, Achan answered Joshua, and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus, and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran unto the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent, and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent, and brought them unto Joshua, and unto the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all the, all Israel With him took Achan, uh, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned stoned him with stones, and burned them with fire, after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Acre unto this day. Wow, that was intense. Here's the thing, like the Lord gave us instruction. He gives us instruction and we are to obey and to keep it, right? And when we go against it, it's for a specific reason, and there's consequences. Now, you guys might be thinking that was super harsh that the guy got burned with fire and that he was, um, what's it called? He was burned with fire and that he had all his stuff and everything and that he got stoned. But remember, like, there were... 36 other men that got killed because of his actions, right? And so I bet not everybody was the one stoning him, but I bet it was those peeps that you know, had their family members killed or something, were the ones probably doing the stone throwing maybe, you know? And remember back in the day, it was like eye for an eye uh, type of um, exchange for sins and for, you know, harsh things that happened with with us, you know, if you killed, you were killed. If you broke somebody's arm, your arm would be broken, you know? And it was very I don't know how to call it. It's very like early, like very like it seems like the kinds of the attitude that they had was very child childlike childish I don't know how to how to say it anyway so so this was this was just the people back then you know and it is not something we are supposed to be doing in our day um nor have we been required to do it and if somebody is disobedient in your family to something that the prophet has said you are not to stone them (laughs) that is not cool but you are definitely supposed to try and find out what it is and get rid of that thing that is um, causing that disobedience. Um, Cause and and that's it's a, like it's that serious, you know. Like you want to get rid of that stuff so bad um, because it can corrupt your family, your city, everything. Um, here we go, Elder Richard G Scott taught. Do not take comfort in the fact that your transgressions are not known by others. That is like an ostrich with his his head buried in the sand. He sees only darkness and feels comfortably hidden. In reality, he is ridiculously conspicuous. Likewise, our very act is seen by our Father in Heaven and His beloved Son. Yep. Yeah. Achan admitted to his guilt and said that he coveted the treasures he found and hid them in his tent. He explained how his sin progressed. He first saw the things. He saw a Babylonian garment, which which was typically a a very beautiful artistic cloak, sometimes made of fur, possibly embroidered with intricate design. Then he saw 200 shekels of silver, the wedge of gold. Seeing them was not the sin, for certainly many soldiers saw their treasures in Jericho but he then coveted them which means he saw them and then desired them and still like coveting them is still bad but it's not as bad as taking them so then it escalated and then he took them and hid them this was a great sin because the lord was giving the israelites the promised land so that it could become a holy land they cannot remove the wickedness upon the land if they save the wickedness among themselves and some bible scholars suggest that the words used in the translation suggest that the items he took were in an idol's temple or part of a shrine helping explain why these items were accursed remember that the israelites had ex- expected to conquer ai easily so they sent a small army but then the sin within the army weakened them It is so easy to justify a little sin. Um, Remember what it says in 2 Nephi, verse 28. This is what Israel needed to carefully keep out. And there shall also be many which shall say, Eat, drink, and be merry. Nevertheless, fear God. He will justify it in committing a little sin. Yea, lie a little, take a little advantage, or take the advantage of one because of his words. Dig a pit for thy neighbor. There is no harm in this. And do all these things, for tomorrow we die. And if it so be that we are guilty, God will beat us with a few stripes. And at last we shall be saved in the kingdom of God. Yea, there shall be many which shall teach after this manner false and vain and foolish doctrines, and shall be puffed up in their hearts, and shall seek deep to hide their counsels from the Lord. And their works shall be in the dark, and the blood of the saints shall cry from the ground against them. Achan must be brought to light. Iniquity must be purged out from the midst of the saints. Then the veil will be rent, and the blessings of heaven will flow down. They will roll down like the Mississippi River. This is from Joseph Smith, teachings of the prophet. Um, okay, and then the very last things. Joshua then sent messengers to Achan's tent, and then they confirmed what they found. And Israel will now learn that they cannot allow this to happen. Sin is too slippery and spreads too quickly. These soldiers will be putting their lives at risk, as. They conquer city after city, and they need to be and stay sanctified. This is what the seminary teacher, teacher manual explains. Achan and his children were put to death, and the accursed things we, he took were destroyed. As the Lord commanded, Joshua would have been aware of the law that children were not to be punished for the acts of their parents. Thus, the deaths of Achan's children suggest that they were guilty of the same sin as their father, otherwise they would have been spared. That's the Old Testament Seminary manual, lesson 74. Okay, that's, that's pretty intense, you know. Okay, Joshua chapter 8. Here we go. Joshua uses an ambush, takes Ai and slays the its inhabitants. He builds an altar in Mount Elap. The words of the law, both blessings and cursings are read to the people. Okay. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee, and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee an ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua arose, and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose out 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them saying, behold, ye shall lie and wait against the city, even behind the city. Go not very far from the city, but ye be all ready. And I and all the people that are with me will approach unto the city and it shall come to pass when they come out against us as, the, as at first that will flee before them. That we will flee before them, for they will come out after us until we have drawn them from the city, for they shall say, They flee before us as at first, therefore we will flee before them. Then ye shall arise up from the ambush and seize upon the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it shall and it shall be when ye have taken the city that ye shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord shall ye do. See, I have commanded you. Oh, another one. Okay. Joshua therefore sent them forth, and they went to lie in ambush and abode between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people, and Joshua rose up early in the morning and numbered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people of Ai. And all the people, even the people of war that were with him, went up and drew nigh and came before the city and pitched on the north side of Ai. Now there was a valley between them and Ai, and he took about 5,000 men and set them to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west of the city, on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, even all the hosts that was on the north north of the city and their liars in wait on the west of the city joshua went that night into the midst of the valley okay some commentary on this now that israel has been sanctified the lord can say to joshua fear not neither be thou dismayed the lord will again lead israel and hopefully israel will now keep the commandment with exactness for if they do their reward will be great remember that they will get more and more of their promised land So it's pretty good. It's pretty good. This time the Lord allowed them to take spoil from the city, such as the cattle, gold, and silver. The reason why the Lord allowed them to take the spoils in this city and not Jericho are not given. Perhaps it was to teach them obedience. Perhaps they were sanctified enough to use it for the building up the promised land rather than coveting it for their personal gain. Perhaps the Lord was testing the Israelites. Or perhaps the Israelite army was learning something about themselves. Or perhaps the Lord had reasons we do not understand here, either way, the policy for this siege changed from the previous one, and remember we got to keep their the commandments for each city um and how to take over with exactness, right This time, Joshua took mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. The meaning of the word valor means a force, a force of the for face wait a force a force in the face of danger. See, those were men specifically chosen for this job. These mighty men of valor were sent to hide behind the city while Jericho and all the people war Then approached the city of Ai and lured the army of Ai away from the city. Then the mighty men of valor would enter the city when the army was gone. Okay, ver- chapter 8, Verse 14. And it came to pass when the king of Ai saw it that they hasted and rose up early and the men of the city went out against Israel to battle. He and all his people at, that, at a time appointed before the plain, but he wist not that there were liars in ambush against, them, against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. And all the people that were in Ai were called together to pursue after them, and they pursued after Joshua, and were drawn away from the city. Verse 17, and there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel that went not out after Israel, and they left the city open and pursued after Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, stretch out the spear that is in thy hand toward Ai for I will give it unto thine hand and Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand toward the city and the ambush arose quickly out of their place and they ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand and the entire and, and they entered into the city and took it and hasted and set the city on fire and when the men of Ai looked behind them they saw and behold the smoke of the city ascended up to heaven and they had no power to flee this way or that way, and the people that fled to the wilderness turned back upon their pursuit, pursuers And When Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city, and they and that the smoke of the city ascended, then they turned again and slew the men of Ai and the other issued out of the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on the side and some on that side, and they smote them so that they let none of them remain or escape. And the king of Ai, they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass when Israel had made an end of slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness, wherein they chased them. And And when... they were all fallen on the edge of the sword until they were consumed that all the israelites returned unto ai and smote it with the edge of the sword and so it was that all the all that fell that day both of men and women were 12000 even all the men of ai for joshua drew not his hand back wherewith he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai, only the cattle and the spoil of that city Israel took for a prey unto themselves, according unto the word of the Lord, which he commanded Joshua, and Joshua burnt Ai and made it an heap forever, even a desolation unto this day. And the king of Ai he hanged on a tree until eventide, and as soon as the sun was done, was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his carcass down from the tree. And cast it at the entering of the gate of the city, and raise thereon a great heap of stones that remaineth unto this day. Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. And Moses the servant of the Lord commanded the children of Israel, as it was written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man hath lift up an iron. And they offered thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote there upon this, hold on, we're at verse 32 in Joshua 8. Some commentary, it says, When Joshua had thus purified the hosts, he led them against Ai, and having by night laid an ambush round about the city, he attacked the enemies as soon as it was day. But as they advanced boldly against the Israelites because of their former victory he made them believe he retired and by that means drew them a great way from the city they still supposing that they were pursuing their enemies and despising them as though the the as though the case had been the same with that in the former battle after which joshua ordered his forces to turn about and place them against their front he then made the signals agreed upon to those that lay in ambush and so excited them to fight so they ran suddenly into the city the inhabitants being upon the walls nay, others of them being in perplexity and coming to see those that were without the gates according to these men accordingly these men took the city and slew all that they met with but joshua faced forced those that came against him to come to a close fight and discomfited Discomfited them and made them run away. And when they were driven towards the city and thought it had not been touched, as soon as they saw it was taken and perceived it was burnt with their wives and children, they wandered about in the fields in a scattered condition and were no way able to defend themselves because they had none to support them. Now, when this calamity was come upon the men of Ai, there were a great number of children and women and servants and an immense quantity of other furniture. The Hebrews also took herds of cattle and a great deal of money for their, for this was a rich country. So when Joshua came to Gilgal, he divided all the spoils among the soldiers. This is from Josephus, book five, chapter one. Um, So Joshua and his army pretended that they were beaten, right? And then, and fled, but that was when they were, they were ambushed. And the Lord told Joshua to stretch out the spear and and thy hand toward the eye. And Joshua did. This may have been the signal to the army to wait, that it was time for them to capture the city, which they did. And then they took it. Okay. And let's read verse 32. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the Law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel, And Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on the side, the ark on that side before the priests, the Levites, which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well as the stranger as he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim and half of them over against the Mount Elab as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel and afterward he read all the words of the law the blessings and cursings according to all that is written in the book of the law there was not a word of all the Moses that Moses commanded which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them Okay, so let's see here. Instead of planning the next attack, Joshua focused on teaching the Israelites and keeping them dedicated. Think of the wisdom of this. Instead of moving from victory to victory, he kept them focused on the Lord and their covenants to him. Upon the stones on or near the altar, he wrote a copy of the Law of Moses. Many scholars suggest that he did not write all five books of Moses, but rather specific parts. Then, before all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges, Joshua read all the words of the law of the blessings and cursings. Come follow me schedule skips chapters 9 to 22. But here's a brief overview of what happened during those chapters. So chapter 9, many kings combine forces to fight with Israel. Chapter 10, Israel defeats the Amorites and many other cities. Chapter 11, the whole land is conquered. Chapter 12, 33 kings are conquered. Wow. Chapter 13, some Canaanites remain in the land but I thought we destroyed them all, right? No, it wasn't a complete, like, destruction the way that we originally think, right? Um, chapter 14, land is divided among the tribes. Chapter 15, Judah inherits Jerusalem. Some Jebusites are not driven out. See? Um, chapter 16, Ephraim and Manasseh receive their land inheritance. Some Canaanites are not driven out of the land of Ephraim. Chapter 17, Ephraim is to drive out the Canaanites. Chapter 18, the tabernacle is set up. There are more land inheritances in chapter 19. Chapter 20, cities of the refuge are determined. 21, Levites are given the cities to dwell in. Chapter 22, Joshua blesses some tribes. Okay, so in, let's see. Okay, so now we're going to read chapter 23. And it says, Joshua exhorts Israel to be courageous, keep the commandments, love the Lord, and neither marry among nor cleave unto the remnants of the Canaanites who remain in the land. Wait, I thought they were all burned, right? No. Um, Remember, it's not the way that we think destruction happens, like, and conquering and stuff. Um, When the children of Israel serve other gods, they will be cursed and disposed. Okay, and it came to pass... A long time after the Lord had given rest unto the Isra- unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all Israel, and for their elders, and for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers, and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age, and ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be in an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off, even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God shall expel them from before you and drive them out from your sight, and ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath promised unto you. Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left That ye come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor curse to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. But cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong, but as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you, he as he hath promised you. Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves that ye love the Lord your God else if you do not wait else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of the nations even these remain even these that remain among you and shall make marriages with them and go in unto them and they to you know for a certainty that the lord your god will no more drive out any of these nations from before you but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off the this good land which the lord god hath given you and behold this day i am going the way of all the earth and ye know in all your hearts that and in all your souls that not not one thing hath hath failed of all the good things which the lord hath which the lord your god spake concerning you all are come to pass unto you and not one thing hath failed thereof and I think it's so awesome how much, like, the Lord is, well, Joshua the prophet is trying to remind them, like, hey, the Lord has kept all of his promises. Literally every single one of them. So you better keep your promises and remember to do all these things or the Lord cannot keep his promises. So it kind of reminds me of that scripture that Sister, um, that I used to serve with Sister Maurer. She says she would always quote the scripture. I, the Lord, am bound when when ye do what I say, but when ye do not what I say, ye have no promise. And it's so true. Sometimes we forget that when we're not receiving the blessings that we have sought out for, it's not because the Lord doesn't love us, but it's because we are missing something. Um, Or, I mean, sometimes it is because the Lord wants us to wait, but sometimes it could be because we're missing something or we've allowed something into our lives that is not good. Um... Therefore, let's see, verse 15. Therefore, it shall come to pass that as all good things are come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you all evil things until, until he have destroyed you from off this good land, which the Lord your God hath given you. And when ye have transgressed the covenant of the Lord, your God, which he commanded you and have gone and served other gods and bowed yourselves to them, then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you. And ye shall perish quickly from off the good land, which he hath given unto you. And basically, Joshua just tells Israel that they know in all their hearts and souls that all the Lord has promised them has brought has been come has come to pass. Um, and they are surrounded by evidences and just as all those good things have come upon them so will the bad things come upon them um, if they choose to bow down to false gods and they will perish quickly and will the future generations remember this? Will they recognize the evidences around them or will they be lured to other gods? So... um there's this hymn, True to the Faith, and it was changed to f- to fit the Israelites in Joshua's day, so, um, and I don't know who wrote it, but it's just included in this redheaded hostess, maybe they did, it says, Shall the Youth Falter? Wait, shall the youth of Israel falter in defending truth and right while the enemy assaileth, shall we shrink or shun the fight? No, true to the faith that our parents have cherished, true to the truth to which martyrs have perished, to God's command, soul, heart, and hand, faithful and true, we will ever stand. Oh, I don't know if they change much. Um, It sounds really familiar. So then in Joshua chapter 24, It's the last recorded words of Joshua. um, And he gathers all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Okay, and I'm going to try and uh, just summarize chapter 24 for you. So basically, he gathers everybody, and then he recounts literally everything that the Lord has done from uh, talking about Abraham, and then Jacob and Esau, and then... um, how Jacob's and his children went down to Egypt and then how he sent Moses and Aaron and then they how they plagued Egypt and so that they could be released and 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 be delivered and then how he delivered um them from Jericho and fought against the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and all these and then comes the verses that say, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity. Oh, sorry, this is verse 14. And in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord and this is like the famous verse right here Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and the people answered and said God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods and uh i love that verse you know 'Cause it kinda it, it just shows like the desire of their heart and I love that. And then verse seventeen is the that the Israelites recognized what the Lord had done for them and said and they said, For the Lord our God, He it is that brought us up out of that brought us uh and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed, and the Lord drove Drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Um love, love those. And then there's a scripture or there's a commentary from Elder or a quote from Elder Neil L. Anderson. It says, One admonition that has been a strength to me is the powerful declaration of the prophet joshua choose you this day whom you will serve but as for me and my house we will serve the lord the words of joshua ring with such reverent relevance today and yet how we demonstrate our decision to serve the lord seems to change with each generation 3500 years ago as joshua spoke it meant leaving behind false gods going to battle against the canaanites and following with sharp attention the words of the prophet we can almost hear the whining of the skeptics as joshua announced his battle plans for taking the city of jericho first he said they would quietly without any speaking circle the city one time for each of the six days then on the seventh day they would compass the city seven times following the priests would blow the trumpets and at that time all the people would shout with great shout then joshua assured them that the walls would come down when the walls came down, the skeptics were quiet. In our world today, one thing has not changed since Joshua spoke. Those who choose to serve the Lord will always listen attentively and specifically to the prophet. In modern Israel, serving the Lord means carefully following the prophets. Elder Neil Anderson, October 1999, General Conference. Okay, so these Israelites declared that we they, they, that they will serve the Lord. And Joshua then told them that they are witnesses against themselves, that they have chosen the Lord. Or in other words, they are fully and undeniably choosing that that is what we do when we covenant. We witness what we are choosing. Um, So here's those verses, 21 to 25 and the people said unto joshua nay but we will serve the lord and joshua said unto the people Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the lord to serve him and they said we are witnesses now therefore put away said he the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the lord god of israel and the people said unto joshua the lord our god will will we serve and his voice we will obey so joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak and was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord, which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart every man unto his inheritance. And then it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of the, his inheritance in Timnath, Sarah, which is in Mount Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Goash. And then I like this. The, the way that they end these chap- this chapter and israel served the lord all the days of joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived joshua and which had known all the works of the lord that he had done for israel and the bones of joseph which the children of israel brought up out of egypt which by the way it would be really creepy to have bones with you from that long ago buried they in shechem in a parcel of ground which jacob brought which Jacob bought of the sons of Hammer, the father of Shechem, for an hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. Which is hilarious. I mean, it's not hilarious, but like it's kind of crazy that they brought him with them. Um, but it's good that they were finally able to leave him to rest there. It says that um, Joshua was an Ephraimite. So that's kind of kind of cool. Um, okay, so you guys know I like to share the arts, the notes, or the commentary from the artist. And so this art is, it's got the scripture, Joshua twenty four fifteen, which I read. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it has just like a bazillion little people in it. And then like you could tell Joshua's like in the front talking. Um. probably how it could have been, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, but here's her commentary. It says, The whole plan of salvation, the reason to have a mortal life, all hinges on our ability to choose. God will never make us choose him. He knows that to force us to follow him and his commandments would have made his mortal journey pointless. The only thing that we can truly give Our God is our willing heart and real desire to follow him and serve him by serving his children. Joshua knew this. He knew he couldn't force the Israelites to love, honor, and serve the Lord all he had control of was himself and the example he could be to his house and to others like joshua we cannot force our loved ones to serve the lord even though sometimes we wish we could we cannot create willing hearts but we can invite entice and nurture an environment where the spirit can be felt and that spirit can touch hearts and change perspectives this art depicts the, this invitation joshua gave to the israelites as he reminded them of their agency nestled between mount gerzim Jerizim and Mount Ebal finally in their promised land the Israelites will show us the consequences good and bad of choosing or not choosing the Lord the promised blessings God wants to give us is contingent on our willingness to obey it is up to us on what we choose Heidi Carter okay a couple other quotes um Choose for yourself. Indeed, God desires, expects, and directs that each of his children choose for himself or herself. He will not force us. Elder Dale G. Renlund, October 2018, General Conference. And he says, we need to choose whom we will serve. The magnitude of our eternal happiness depends on choosing the living God and joining him in his work. So, I hope that you choose to serve God if sometimes you're not able to choose God remember that you can always make that choice as your next move, as your next best choice because there's always repentance for us that's what the Lord gave to us and it is so sweet and That's it for now, and I thank you for showing up, and I love you, and see you later. Bye.